0: He is thirsty give him a drink for in so doing you will heat burning coals of fire on his head do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good father in heaven this is your living word and we are your people your children redeemed by the blood of the lamb by your grace lord fill us with your spirit this morning that we might understand and apply your precious word and grow as obedient disciples as living sacrifices For we ask this in the name of our Savior and our Lord and King Jesus Christ, amen. Well, I'm not sure how often we actually hear that we are sacrifices. I mean, we know we're supposed to be sacrificial, but how often do we think about the fact that we are living sacrifices, we're called to be. Sacrifices that don't die, uh, at least not immediately, not by a knife, sacrifices that don't die, but live to serve. And I would think that Paul really got the attention of the saints uh, to whom he was writing at this time uh, when he uh, used these two words to be a living sacrifice. Uh, Now they knew much more than we do about living, what sacrifices are, what, what a sacrificial system is. Even if they weren't practicing in it, even if they weren't Jewish, they would have known, you know, what it means. It means there's an animal and it was taken and it was killed and it was bled and it was slaughtered, it was burned. And uh, so they had a picture of this. So uh, my guess is that uh, living sacrifice, you know, that was, that was a little hard for them to get their head around. You know, like an oxymoron, a living sacrifice. How does that fit together? Um, and uh, if you notice the picture uh, in the uh, notes there, um, the illustration there is just meant to uh, fix in our minds that a sacrifice involves dying to self, right? That there's a man on the altar there. And uh, yesterday, John Shepherd was sharing with me that this uh, verse, in fact, had, um, uh, was very meaningful to him uh, as he was turning to the Lord. And uh, I almost asked him if he wanted to demonstrate uh, this and come forward, but, and I didn't have a knife, so I thought, no, it's probably better not to go that way. But, uh, but um, the illustration is just meant to say that it, dying to self is not easy, but we're called to do that. Uh, And our sacrifice, by the way, is not just in a physical way. Uh, There are other ways that we will see in this passage that we are to be living sacrifices. So here in Romans 12, verse 1, Paul is beseeching uh, the followers that he's addressing. He's urging them to be followers of Christ, to present their bodies as a living sacrifice. And he's also telling them why they can do so. And he's telling them uh, in the rest of the chapter that we'll see uh, what a living sacrifice is. And what does a living sacrifice look like? on a a daily basis. So first of all, why are we living sacrifices? Or why can we be? Why should we be living sacrifices? In verse uh, 36 of chapter 11, uh, we read that, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever, amen. And then he begins by saying, because of that, I now beseech you, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, your reasonable worship. And first of all, you'll see that we are living sacrifices because we are servants. We are bond slaves now of an almighty sovereign God of whom are all things, through whom are all things and to whom are all things. Now this doxology caps, of course, everything that he's written in the previous 11 chapters, everything that Paul's written, this doxology caps uh, what he was inspired to write And uh, God alone is worthy of this sacrifice because of all that came before, all all that he did to justify us, to bring us to himself. These offerings are the offerings of a righteous life. That's essentially what we're saying by what we do. Uh, These are our offerings of a righteous life. We are consecrated to him because of him and through him and to him are all things, including us. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we are not our own, we are bought at a price, and as redeemed servants, our aim is to please, or should be to please our master and our Lord and to do his will, not our will. And Jesus said to those who uh, said, well, we want to follow you. This is what he said to them. Well, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, essentially die to himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Secondly, we are living sacrifices because to him belongs all glory. To him belongs all glory. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. And uh, any acts of righteousness or service uh, that we do, which pleases him is certainly all by his grace. Uh, and so it's for his glory alone, not ours. His grace makes us able to be living sacrifices for his glory. We, our whole purpose in life is to glorify him as a living sacrifice until he calls us home, until he comes again. And thirdly, uh, we are living sacrifices because we know his mercy. And Calvin said this uh, of this particular part, until men really apprehend how much they owe to the mercy of God, they will never, with a right feeling, worship him nor be effectually stimulated to fear and obey him. Paul was beseeching the saints then, uh, and we are certainly urged still now to present or offer ourselves uh, as living sacrifices, our bodies. Now, you know, living sacrifices seems uh, a little hard to grasp, of course, because a sacrifice was killed um, and yet we are to continue to offer ourselves daily to the Lord Uh, as a sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise for his mercy to us. So we continually offer all that we are in body and soul to him. And we lay ourselves essentially, in a sense, again and again on the altar because of his mercy in saving us. Our service is a constant act of love and thankfulness to him who sacrificed himself for us. And then last, uh, we are living sacrifices because it is our reasonable spiritual service of worship. Because we were made holy and set apart by the mercy of God in Jesus Christ, our sacrifice of service is acceptable now to God our Father. Imperfect as it is, yet we are growing in holiness by his grace. And it's very reasonable that we daily offer ourselves in the service of the one who died for us. Our master is worthy of a sacrifice of praise. In Psalm 4, we're exhorted, offer the sacrifices of righteousness. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. And to do that, uh, the word righteous comes from uh, Old English, and it was right wise. And it meant, if you're wise, you are wise in what is right. So righteousness is doing right, very simply. And uh, the Psalms talk of offering a sacrifice of joy, different kinds of sacrifices. There's a sacrifice of joy to the Lord. There are sacrifices of thanksgiving. There are sacrifices of praise. And then in Psalm 51, uh, Psalm 51 ends with uh, saying that the Lord is pleased with sacrifices of righteousness or right actions. In that case, in that case, it was uh, the right action of confession and, and contrition. In Hebrews 13 says, do not forget to do good and to share with for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And it's appropriate and very reasonable that we offer ourselves as living sacrifices as this pleases the Lord. So, we are living sacrifices, and uh, we must remember uh, what it means. You know, well, what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? And to answer that, we must remember essentially two things, I think, who we are and whose we are. We must be reminded of those two things. First of all, a living sacrifice is a servant who is not being conformed uh, to a world system that displeases his master. We cannot displease our master, that is... A servant uh, does not do that. We are servants, we are bond slaves, and we can't just do anything we want anymore. Praise God that that's the case. Uh, we are now slaves of righteousness. We are no longer slaves of sin. And I think every morning we should think of, or maybe reread Romans 6, or often, anyway, more often than we do, read Romans 6, and remind ourselves that we are now united uh, in Christ. And verse 13 says, do not offer, do not present or do not offer your members as instruments of righteousness. Don't do that anymore to unrighteous, uh, to sin, unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves or offer yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In First John, uh, it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. For all that is in the world, the world system, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who abides uh, in God uh, will, uh, in the will of God abides forever. So we are not to be brothers and sisters, assimilated into the world around us or to accommodate to it. We are citizens of heaven, being prepared for our eternal home by our acts of service now. And our acts of service uh, also point people to the Lord. Secondly, a living sacrifice is one who is being transformed, being changed. Romans 6 goes on and it says, Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now reckon here means to count on it. You reckon it. It's a done deal. You wake up and you say something like, Lord, I count myself dead to sin today and alive to you in Jesus Christ. So you are alive to God in Christ Jesus. So work now with all that you have, work with all the strength that he gives you to continue to grow in righteousness and to be transformed and conformed into his image from one degree of glory to another. In Romans eight, it says that we were predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Our transformation then began when uh, the spirit opened our eyes to our sin and our need of repentance and then enabled us by faith to come to Christ. One of the best summaries of of this process is in the Shorter Catechism, number 31, and uh, it's on effectual calling. And, And when God calls, it is effectual. So effectual calling is the work of God's spirit, whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, first of all, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ and renewing or transforming our wills, he does persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the gospel. So by the Spirit's work, we are convinced of our sin, our minds are enlightened so that we can know the Lord, we can see Him, our wills are renewed so that we can even uh, decide to, uh, by faith, follow Him, and then we can embrace Him. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says that we are all with unveiled face now, beholding as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed or transfigured, the same word is used for the transfiguration we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So the spirit of the Lord is transforming us from glory to glory, more and more into the image of the Lord and our minds are being transformed as we meditate on and and obey the word as the Holy spirit illuminates it to us and empowers us to live it. Now rejoice uh, that this also means even our bodies will be transfigured when the Lord returns in Philippians, It says that the Lord Jesus will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. And the older I get, the more I long for that day as my body uh, knows how weak it is even more. And then uh, third, a living sacrifice is one who is proving by his service, the will of God. Now those who understand the will of God because their minds are being transformed, show it by righteous actions. That's what we do. We show to the world what the will of God is, or the law of God is. And and we can tell, of course, and we should tell um, about His will. Uh, And we should also show it. It should also be seen. And we can show that His will is good, and what good even means, uh, what is acceptable to our Creator and what is His perfect will in Christ. So now that we know why we can be, and should more overtly be, living sacrifices, and been reminded a bit of what a living sacrifice is and is becoming. Uh, Paul gives a number of ways here of how a living sacrifice acts or what a living sacrifice looks like, maybe on a daily basis. So let's look at what does a living sacrifice look like in action? Living sacrifice. First of all, uh, I divided this into two sections. It breaks apart uh, fairly well in verses 3 through 13. It's mostly looking at how we uh, live as living sacrifices as believers consecrated uh, by God and committed to uh, the community or the body of Christ. And then the second part was a, l- a little more about how we relate to those outside of the body. First of all, verse three says, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So a living sacrifice serves humbly by faith. And so they're not given to comparison. Um, Second Corinthians 10 says, we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So a living sacrifice serves not because they want to be better than others, or prove something. They, they do it because they have a realistic assessment of their gifts, of what God has given them. And that's what it means here uh, to think soberly. You have a realistic assessment of your gifts. And they also have a measure or uh, an understanding of the faith that they have to use them. They are thankful for their own gifts, and they are thankful for the gifts of others. Verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function... So a living sacrifice respects our, the unique services in the body, the unique gifts. Uh, they can deal with differences. Differences are okay with them. Uh, they're not looking down on them or being jealous of them, but rejoicing in the differences. And diversity certainly enriches us. Uh, it, it's challenging sometimes too, but we are blessed by the diversity in the body. John Calvin, in his commentary on this said, the society of the godly cannot exist Society of the godly cannot exist except when each one is content with his own measure and imparts to others, the gifts, which he has received and allows him in turn to be assisted by the gifts of others. Verse five. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So living sacrifice respects and rejoices in the oneness of the body and seeks to encourage that. They are always seeking to encourage unity. uh, And he works and prays for unity. He's eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 6, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, that means setting forth the law. If prophecy, let us prophecy communicate the truth. If uh, in proportion to our faith, or ministry, that is service, let us use uh, it in our ministering. He who teaches, in other words, helps others to understand. In his teaching, he who exhorts or instructs in exhortation or encouragement and admonishment. He who gives, in other words, uh, in this passage, it was mostly talking about sharing your uh, personal possessions. He who gives with liberality, he who leads or rules with diligence, he who shows mercy, uh, he who recognizes other, other's needs with cheerfulness, or some version said joyful abandon. Now in 1 Peter 4, uh, Actually, I think I've shared this before, but if you want to remember the four main passages uh, that have to do with gifts in the New Testament, there's two 12s and two 4s. There's Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. There's Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. It's an easy way to remember. So 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. In other words, let us use them. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, a living sacrifice serves the body of Christ by offering, offering Himself and His gifts, offering the gifts He has been given by God in the work of building up the church. And uh, in our membership covenant, under the section called, I Believe and in an Every Member Ministry, uh, one of those uh, points is this, I will seek to glorify God by identifying my gifts, both natural and spiritual, and responding to God-given opportunities to use them i promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of my ability so all of you who have become members here have vowed just that and uh, we learn by the way what those gifts are if you're not sure what those gifts are you you learn that by offering yourself you just Put yourself out there as a living sacrifice. God reveals your gifts as you offer yourselves in service. A car that isn't moving, cannot be steered anywhere. Verse nine, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Now we are called here to communicate and to show love from a sincere heart of love, not for gain or to impress anybody. And now a hypocrite, uh, as we've said before, it wasn't back then was an actor who wore a big mask. Uh, but a living sacrifice loves without a mask, in a genuine way. We are to love one another as Christ loved us. We are, I believe we are growing here in doing that, in this body, by his grace. And may it overflow here. May the Lord make us increase and abound in love to one another. Also, a living sacrifice is growing in, it, in his or her hatred of sin and evil. And, in fact, it sickens him. It's becoming more and more repulsive to him. To abhor, actually, when you look up that word, to abhor means to detest and to loathe something and to despise it and to have disgust. That is how we are to look at evil in ourselves and in in society. And that should be our feeling toward, for example, abortion. And I know it is here. uh, The murder of babies. Now, if you want to you want help in loathing something evil, just this week I went to a new website, it's called babiesaremurderedhere.com. Go to that website or go to the Abolish Human Abortion website. In Psalm 97, it says, you who love the Lord hate evil. Very clear. If you are growing in your love for the Lord, you will hate evil. And I have been led for some months now, probably maybe a year to pray specifically daily in my life that I would hate evil that I would look at it with disgust like this. And I've been praying it that it would be so in our, in our body. Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Again, if you're growing in the fear of the Lord, you will hate evil. Now we can't be passive to evil or just lament about it in us or, or in society. Uh, let's, so let's ask the Lord to give us an intense revulsion of evil, wherever we see it, in us or in society we should not cling to our sin or any, any evil. We must cling, it says, to what is good. Now the word cling here turned out, it meant uh, stick like glue. So you figure out what is good and you cling to it. You, you don't let it go. Uh, it was to cling to what is good and pleasing to God. In Psalm 119, David said to the Lord, I cling to your testimonies. And then uh, in verse two of this passage in Romans 12, it says that uh, the will of the Lord is good. It's good and acceptable and perfect and we are to cling to it, we're to cling to his law. And if we cling to what is good, we will then greatly encourage each other in that. Verse 10 says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Basically two verses could help explain this. Ephesians 4:32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And then in Philippians 2, 3 and 4, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So let's offer ourselves, let's sacrifice ourselves by being kindly affectionate to one another in brotherly love with the affection of kindred. That's what we are, We're, we're family with forgiveness. And we can show this affection by giving preference to one another, as each person uh, in the Trinity, as Phil shared last week, we see in the Trinity, how they also uh, gave preference, they honored each other. And we should ask ourselves, I think more often, how can I honor each person in this body? How can I speak words that build up each person here from the youngest to the, to the oldest? Verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord let us encourage each other to be zealous. And to be zealous means you are far away from being half-hearted, you're going the other way. You're not half-hearted, you're not slothful in whatever you do. In fact, whatever you do, uh, do it heartily as serving the Lord, not men. We can encourage each other not to become weary in well-doing and not to lose heart by praying that we would be fervent. Or some passages uh, refer to this as being aglow in the spirit because we are aglow, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if we are zealous and diligent, we are acting as living sacrifices, serving the Lord. Now this list, I know this is, okay. It's a kind of a long list. I like to go through Romans 12 uh, periodically because I wanna know, am I walking with the Lord? What is my walk with the Lord like right now? And it is kind of a long list, but I would encourage you to uh, be thinking about, maybe the Lord will lay on you one of these points. So you think, well, I'm not really offering myself very well in this way. So ask him, to lead you in that, and, uh, and he will give you grace. Now, starting in verse 12, uh, we see that there are special giftings, there are certain giftings, and some uh, of people uh, may indeed be more gifted in doing some of these than, than others, but uh, we are all being addressed in this section. Verse 12, rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Now, our hope is in the ground of our joy. Our hope is the ground of our joy, and it makes us patient or enduring in trial. And hope and endurance result from being steadfast in prayer. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Verse 13 says, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Now, a living sacrifice gives uh, materially and sacrificially of themselves, of their time, and of talents, and what God has given them. And this is one of our duties in the body of Christ as we're enabled to do it. And uh, and it means with no expectation of return favor. And the meaning of this is that we are to identify ourselves with the needs of the saints, of course, and make them our own. So we identify with those needs, we make them our own, essentially. We we saw in verse five uh, earlier that we are partakers of the blessings of the gifts of other saints. And we see here, we are also to be partakers of the needs of our brothers and sisters as well. We partake of those also. And to be given to hospitality means we actively pursue it. Not just after we hear of something or see something down the road, we actively pursue being hospitable and looking for occasions. And those occasions will present themselves by the grace of God if we're alert to our duty here and and the blessing of being hospitable. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So those are some of the ways a living sacrifice looks like in the body of Christ uh, in action. And I would suggest again that you pray over one or two of those, highlight one or two of those, and uh, ask the Lord to work in you what is pleasing to him from that list and enable you to be a better uh, living sacrifice. Now, starting in verse 14, we're gonna talk a little bit about those outside the body. 14 through 16 could also apply uh, in the body. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Certainly only by grace can a person do this. When it's natural to be resentful, natural to retaliate if uh, you are persecuted, And this is where we really know, I think, if we are willing to be living sacrifices. This will bring that out. To bless those who persecute you, to invoke the Lord's blessing, in a sense, on those people is supernatural. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. This means uh, to rejoice as if it were our own joy, and have empathy and sympathy with those in pain to identify with them as if it was our pain now this is one of the ways that we uh, love our neighbors as ourselves if you are struggling in sacrificing this way if it's hard for you to rejoice with those who rejoice or weep with those who weep ask the lord to develop in you a true sympathy and a oneness with the saints around you and this does happen as we pray for each other verse 16 be of the same mind toward one another do not set your mind on high things but associate with the humble do not be wise in your own opinion. Now we should have the mind of Christ. We should be growing in the mind of Christ who humbled himself and we're called to be like-minded. That's what he called us, he said be like-minded in the body. There should be no clicks. There should be no status trips. There should be no head trips. Uh, the things that God has given us should never cause us to elevate ourselves above others. And a humble person is rare, right? A humble person is rare, rare enough in the church Certainly rare in the world, Um, but we are to be known for our humility in a world of prideful people. And this is a strong testimony that we are in Christ, and it's a witness of his power and, and the power which is transforming us. Finally, in the last section, verses 17 through 21, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, and is God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we are to abhor what is evil, and thus not to pay it back, Uh, or retaliate with it, which would just cause us to be overcome by it, frankly. We are to be overcomers. We're to overcome evil with good. And at the same time, we should press our civil magistrates who have the power of the sword to uh, be against evil. They should be against evil. And we are also to cling to what is good in the sight of all as a testimony to God who defines good. Again, his will is good and acceptable and perfect. If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Well, it may not always be possible to live in peace. We should strive for it. But uh, if to do so, we must act unbiblically, or if peace means giving in to sin, uh, then we may not. But the wisdom from above, in James 3, it says the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable. So the second in that list uh, is peaceable. It's the, The wisdom from above brings peace, so we must use every means within us as living sacrifices to maintain peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. In verse 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, if we tend to get even, if we tend to want to get even, uh, we should ask ourselves, uh, do I believe God is sovereign? You know, I believe he's a perfect judge and he forgets nothing. And his wrath on sinners will surely come. And vengeance belongs to him. To take his place in this is to create, just create more strife and more pain. Our Lord in the scriptures uh, of the Lord, it says that when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges justly. And that's what we should do, rather than pay back. Verse 20, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, some of you remember, uh, before we uh, were located here, we were, in a sense, under attack. And we wanted to go out and give some hot chocolate to those cold people demonstrating against us outside. And we didn't do that because the police said, no, you you shouldn't do that, but essentially, This is probably what would have happened had we been able to do that. Uh, We are to um, honor the Lord in that way. And we can bring, bring, I think, a burning sense of shame on our enemies, on the enemies of the Lord, by showering kindness on them. This may cause them to repent and turn to the Lord. And and is one way we do overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And the world does exactly the opposite of this. They think they can overcome evil by more evil. They think overcoming evil with good is impossible. It's foolish. It doesn't work, they think. It's it's weak. And in this section, the 17 through 21, we see that the living sacrifices, uh, living sacrifices are overcomers of evil by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are children of the Lord who himself overcame evil with good by his sacrifice for us. And he is our example. And may we know his grace as we offer ourselves to him as living sacrifices, let's pray. Father in heaven, we we know we are called to be living sacrifices, servants of the most high God, because of your mercies to us and because it's your will for us and it's our reasonable service of worship. And yet we shrink from dying to ourselves. O Lord, fill us with your spirit that we might more readily offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices and by your power act in the body and outside the body for your glory. We offer ourselves this morning again as acceptable sacrifices through Jesus Christ our Lord, and we rejoice to do so in his name. Amen.